Hello, I'm Caroline Chapman from Dental Protection, and you're listening to The Talk, a dental protection podcast for hygienists and therapists. I have with me today, Sean Howe. Sean and I have known each other for many years. Um, but I mean, I know all about you, Sean, but how about um, giving our listeners some information about you and your background? Okay, so where am I now? I'm working in the Shetland Islands. I, I, I'm just about to re- go back into clinic. Well, actually, I have been in clinic once so far this week. Um, and I have many hats at the moment. I've been a man of, of many talents over the pandemic. And um, I, I, I now have a, a job with the Scottish Government. Um, I'm a DCP advisor to the Scottish Government. And I'm a dental therapist in NHS Shetland. And what's brought me to this today with you, Caroline, is I work closely with the British Association of Dental Therapists, who, as you know, have a wonderful partnership with dental protection. I do. Yeah, I do. And I think you and I have had a conversation about this, haven't we, and the fact that we wanted to reach out to our um, hygienists and therapists and really perhaps just have a talk about how things are looking for them right now. You know, we know things have been quite difficult over the last few months. It's, It's nothing new to anybody. But, you know, the current issues now that are facing our hygienists and therapists, you know, things change over time but what do you what's your perspective on what 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 people are facing at the moment um, it's been a bit it's been a bit of a mixed picture hasn't it i mean the four nations have had a different approach to covid so you see this mm. very different approach obviously england and wales being the largest group mm. of, of 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 dental professionals um there's been a lot of um fear is a great word i think anger anger at not what knowing what was going on and for some still not know what's going on and i think now trepidation there's more and more of us there are still a, a cohort of those my my professional colleagues that have not got back into practice yet which is um, or are doing very limited work what was it like for you actually throughout covid did you stay did you work throughout in practice or no no, um, we locked down in Scotland very, very early, slightly earlier than England, I think. Yeah. So on March the 18th, 2020, I put down my scalar stroke handpiece for the for the last time. And I was immediately redeployed because I'm a health board employee because I work for the, the health board. So I was immediately redeployed because dentistry had literally shut its doors in Scotland, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, so I've had five different roles during the pandemic. So, you know. And some of those weren't even related to dentistry, were they? None of them were related to dentistry. (laughs) So um, I've been a medical stores delivery driver. I've worked with the public health department, helping them. I've worked in the COVID assessment centre. I was the PPE procurement officer for the health board. And my last thing is I've been um, vaccinating quite significantly. I've done quite a lot of vaccinations. I've done 2,341 vaccinations. How about that? Gosh, that's amazing. Um, so when are you getting back into the surgery? I, I've just literally yesterday, my first what? day back in surgery. And how did it um, go? It was okay because I only had, and, and I know my colleagues out there who are in general practice are going to look at and raise the roll their eyes at me. I only saw three patients um, because I been lucky enough to be very well supported back into practice by my uh, clinical director my dental director so how was it um i was really really fortunate because my first patient is a 19 nearly 20 year old um special needs young lady that i've been looking after since she was 13 and as a consequence she knew me she recognized me 
and was receptive to treatment. So that made life very, very easy for a first patient back, given that I was in the full shebang of PPE. You know, I had an FFP3 on a visor, on a gown on, but she still recognised me, which was nice. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And do you think, I mean, I wonder how much anxiety there is out there about getting back into the surgery after having a break. Did you... Oh, did you have any anxiety about that? I've been a coiled spring for weeks. I have been, I, I've got little stumps left in my anteriors now because I've been bruxing like a like a doozer. What, um, what was it that was creating that anxiety for you? I think it's just, um, it wasn't fear of the, it certainly wasn't fear of COVID for me. I know I've got colleagues that are scared of, of the whole COVID, but it wasn't that for me. I think the reality is, Caroline, I'm a, I'm a competent beginner is, is a good way of describing it. Remember, I only transitioned to therapy in 2018, well, 2017, 2018. And then to do a year and, and a bit of, of therapy and then suddenly, boom, you're not doing any more. You, you know, it was quite hard going. Yeah, it doesn't feel like long enough, does it, to, 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 to make it feel like riding a bike. It, it, it doesn't feel like you've had long enough. So no. um, it's interesting, actually, isn't it? Because it makes you wonder what it's like for anybody in that position when they take a career break for whatever reason irrespective of covid there's lots of reasons why people take breaks and actually that that level of anxiety about going back for whatever reason i think not everybody gets anxiety don't get me wrong we're all different we're all individual but i think there are people who will feel that level of anxiety and that level of fear about going back um having been 14 months plus out of surgery and faced with the daunting task of picking up an air rotor that's turning at a quarter of a million rpm with a diamond in the end of it mm -hmm. um i'm very lucky i've told you i'm really well supported yet i've still had masses of anxiety what about my colleagues in general dental practice where pardon the expression bums on seats is what matters mm -hmm. I, I i you know they've got to earn their money so they have to bring patients in to generate the income to be paid by their boss. Gosh, they must be... God, I've got little stumps. They must have nothing left. They should be down at gum level, shouldn't they? Well, yeah. I mean, there's so many factors, isn't there? Because those who own the businesses have got the business overheads and all of the, um, you know, all of the, the worries that go with that, as well as simply getting back into the surgery. I also think there's, there's a level of anxiety... That, that permeates through from, from personal lives and, and personal feelings. You know, people have had kids at home, they've had um, they've had stuff to deal with. We still can't really go anywhere, particularly, you know, lockdown is lifting now, but it's still very restrictive. So I don't think people have got any of the normal outlets and that, norm, that change of environment that's so important for us to be able to switch our brains off and stop the anxiety somewhat. I think, I think there are so many factors that, that create the difficulty. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you should say that because this is, again, something I've been reflecting on quite a lot. Exactly that, what you've just spoke about, actually, is imagine, imagine my colleagues that have been sat at home with a newborn baby uh, and they've been bringing that, you know, on all the, there's, the whole of their world has been that baby for, say, maybe nine months or something like that, and then suddenly they've got to go back to work. Isn't that, how daunting is that? All I've done... Is, is I mean, I've been busy. I probably haven't had that much time to reflect, to be honest. But um, I, I, as it grew nearer, when, when my boss turned around and said, I pay you to be a dental therapist, <laughs> you, you know, the reality started to hit home to me. And, and 
It was. It was inside. It was inside, and then many hours of, of, of essentially losing sleep over it. Really, you know, being in quite a bad way. However, I decided to share those feelings with a very small cohort of professional friends and colleagues, and a very small cohort at that. Um, and most have been back in practice a lot longer. You know, they, some of them started back in um, August time, September time. But they've been really supportive. They've been really understanding, which is, um, for, I, I am quite a strong individual, but, you know, sort of sometimes reaching out is quite difficult, isn't it? I think it is. And I think, I mean, I'm, I, I feel really strongly about mental health and well-being issues. And um, I think that people sometimes do find it difficult to talk. And there are lots of different ways to find coping mechanisms for how we're feeling. Um, um, and one size doesn't fit all with that. Um, Dental Protection does have a counselling service for its members, which is which can be used for anything. I mean, it's free and it's absolutely confidential and part of part of membership but members have it have used that for various reasons and said how helpful it is other members have said i absolutely don't want to talk to somebody i don't want to talk to a stranger that's not going to help me and so it very much depends you know i was thinking about this last night you know because i knew we were going to be doing this podcast and i was thinking about building networks of support and how we build networks around us and i thought gosh it's really interesting because there's two different ways I think, of thinking about networks. One is we surround ourselves with like-minded people, friends, family, those that we love, who will support us. Um, but sometimes, actually, it, it's helpful to surround yourself or build your network with people who aren't like you or have different skills to you and different qualities to you because that sometimes can challenge you and push you outside your comfort zone a bit, but it can help because it sort of builds that rounded network of support. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I was just I was reflecting on that as you said it. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, because I I I'm the one that goes looks out out with, if you know what I mean, for support. I'm I'm the one that will go to people who I don't know that well for one of a better. But I, but I still don't like talking therapies, which is a bit weird. Mm-hmm. But I have friends, like I say, friends, stroke professional colleagues that I don't know particularly well, but I'll still turn to them for advice. Um, but that's because we 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 are aligned in our thoughts, if you know what I mean. It's, do you remember years ago, you and I used to have these discussions, didn't we, where we'd, when we were having our stresses about work and everything else, and we would share, even though we didn't know each other that well, we would still share that work stress because we were both in the same field. Yeah. As it were. We were both in dentistry. So that, to me, yeah, that, that whole network building thing is really important. And as you know, I'm, I'm a little bit like you. I've got a huge network of, of people that I can turn to at any point you know, and, and an awful lot of professional colleagues at that. And in a way, that it worked really well for us, and it's worked well for us over the years, hasn't it? Um, because we don't necessarily need to, do, like you say, we don't necessarily need to know the detail of what each other is doing, but we're in that same profession, and we do understand the ethics and the issues that sit behind everything that we're doing. So we're able to bounce things off each other and just get some ideas about maybe how to cope with things without going into that much detail. It works really well for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it's interesting you should say about, and this is <laughs> this is not you leading me up the path here, interesting <laughs> you say about the counselling service for dental protection members, because I'll be honest with you, I genuinely didn't know that that existed mm-hmm. until I entered this forum with dental protection to talk about these issues. Um, so that's interesting, isn't it? And I, and I 
would now, I would now, because some of my colleagues I can't deal with, their problems are beyond my um, my skill set, shall we say that. As you know, I've done counselling and this, that and the other skill sets in the past. Um, but if they're beyond me now, I would probably steer them towards that mm. and say, have you considered oh, it's completely yeah. independent and somebody will just listen? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think counselling, whichever way you access it, is something that I think is becoming more and more common, more acceptable these days as well. I think, you know, there used to be a bit of a stigma, didn't there, about going for counselling or having some um, mental health support. And these days, I think it's so much more acceptable for people because everybody understands that we've all got things that, that we need support with. Yeah, I think we need to build safety nets, don't we? Yeah. Um, and building those safety nets can be quite challenging. Like I say, so if we go back to sort of returning to work, my, yeah. I, my clinical director has been absolutely outstanding. And I am so lucky. And I wish that he could share his wisdom and his thoughts with general practice owners that, that you know, when they've got people returning to work. What about dental? I mean, I know this is about dental hygienists and dental therapists, but what about dental nurses that might have been furloughed and are just looking at going back to work? I, I think it's not on the same level as removing hard tissue or whatever, but, it, but the anxiety of dealing with people especially if they've been in fear of something over the last year, you know, they, they may have been in fear of COVID. Mm. How do we, how do we as a profession come together to quash those fears, given the emerging evidence that we're starting to see now, you know, there's a lot of evidence emerging that we were always safe. We've always been doing a great job. And I just think it's worthwhile of wider discussion, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. I think, yeah. How do we come together as a profession to, to support each other in that way? I don't have the answer to that. But. I don't think anybody's got the answer to it, have they? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think, I think, I, I, I'm sure you'll drag me back if I go a bit off topic here. Um, but one of the things that's been on my mind is as a relatively, a relatively newly qualified individual, particularly in therapy, dental hygiene is definitely the riding a bike scenario for me. Um, as well, you know, I'm, I'm relatively accomplished at that. But the 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 other skill set that I acquired, I, for me, and, and we talked about this briefly off topic, off record, as it were, hands-on courses. What are they? Where, where are they? I need them. Yeah, hands-on. I mean, there was a real problem, wasn't there? Of course, COVID put paid to hands-on courses for quite a long period of time. Um, so they will start to creep back in now i think some of them have been done remotely a little bit aren't they as well where there's there's um but, but that that holds real problems for me you know we've just yeah. been talking about support yeah well yeah. i want somebody looking over my shoulder yeah so, and, yeah yeah so sort of turning around and going yeah well done sean or maybe you could try this yeah. you know i might not be on a live patient and i might be on a phantom head at least somebody's looking at it going, well, actually, would that really work? Or And it's that practical skill, isn't it, that, that yeah. you're starting to use again for the hands-on, which is so important for people. But, and I think there's there's loads of ways in which people can perhaps build that support again. And we know that, that there's the CPD and the hands-on stuff. There's that collegiate support within practices or within networks where people can start to peer review again and have yeah. those. And it may be that people can now start to have those face-to-face -face sessions Again. Well, going back to that, my boss has said he's going to come in and, and will happily, you know, he wants to, 
remember I worked for a health board, not necessarily a practice, but he sort of said, you know, why don't you, you know, numb the patient up, cut the cavity and I come and have a quick look at it, you know, and then you carry on. And then maybe when you finish the restoration, just give me a shout and I'll come and have a little look at it and we can discuss it and make sure. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because, and I think that's really, really sensible. I think it's a really sensible way, particularly, you know, like you say, you haven't been doing therapy for that long before you've got stopped from doing therapy. So, and then there's nothing wrong with looking for that level of support, is there? Because for me, and I, I looking at the dental legal side of it, which we, we always do, it is about that, isn't it? It's about taking it back to basics for me. And I think if there's that level of anxiety, it's about taking taking everything back to basics and what you were taught for every patient, you know, the full assessments, the proper consent, making sure that people understand. If you're not sure about the treatment plan, not going blindly on and actually stopping and asking. And, you know, I think there are. it's always thinking right back to the start. And, and just following all those basic principles that we've all been taught. And then, you know, making all of those great records afterwards to make sure that that's all documented. And I think it's a way of just helping yourself to just take it one step at a time. I was thinking about this in a discussion. This I had a discussion this morning with a colleague and they were asking about oral health assessments. And it's interesting when you stop and you think and you reflect and you remember, you can remember everything but maybe when you're in a surgery, that's when you forget it. Mm. And and you, and this is where a peer coming in and just saying something to you like, have you? Did you? Why didn't you? Because there might be a reason you didn't do something, obviously. You know, we, we've talked about that before, it, historically, about what, you know, recording non-events, as it were. <laughs> you know, why didn't I do that? I didn't do a BPE because the patient couldn't stand the probe you know there's nothing wrong with that we know that that's a, a thing but why didn't I do a BPE because I forgot <laughs> it's a different discussion well you know it's funny because I think sometimes that that can happen completely inadvertently and it happens even more so when you get to know your patients more and more as well because you start to see people regularly it can it can almost be easier to forget that actually you need to make sure you're doing that full exam, that full picture every time because you almost start to expect to see something because you know them so well, <laughs> you know. And 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 I think it's always about remembering that aid memoir. You know, what is it that I was taught here? What do I do on every patient? So, but isn't that interesting that that then then a hiatus from work like this yeah. makes you look inwardly and actually you start mm-hmm. to? I pulled my books out. I pulled my Picard's manual of oper- minimally so operative dentistry. It's on my coffee table. Right? <laughs> <laughs> is that really? the new one? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> outside of work reading. Excellent. So you bring bring the books out and you start looking again, and that hiatus has made me look. But actually, going back to this this familiarity breeds con- contempt kind of scenario you've just hit on. Isn't it interesting that a, a 14, 15 month hiatus out of practice, I'm looking at I'm looking at my patients differently because I'm starting from scratch again. I'll grant you they've been through a dental officer before they get to me, but I'm still looking at them as my patient while they're in my chair. So I had three yesterday, like I say, one guy with a very complex medical history who needs help to maintain his, his periodontal health, that young lady I've already described, and then a, a, a little boy, who at seven and a half, you know, I'm going to do an extraction on him next time I see him. I did four fissure sealants yesterday. And 
um, I'm going to do an extraction. So I'm having to gear myself up for that, you know. And, and that's that's a challenge, isn't it? Putting a needle in a seven and a half year old's face. The kids are fine about it. I think it's us that has to worry about it because we want them to be fine about it. So, um, but yeah, do you know, I think it would be really interesting to hear from our hygiene and therapy colleagues about things that are affecting them or things that they would want to talk about or or listen to actually because you know we can think gosh what would want what would people want to hear about from from our communications but it'd be great to get some ideas from from people wouldn't it i, I think so um, it's interesting that I, our, our profession, actually, dental hygienists and dental therapists are really interesting because they're the one group that tend to engage quite a lot. Um, and so if you if you are listening to this, you know, why not email into Dental Protection and just say, listen to the podcast, how about one about so-and-so? There are so many subject matter experts out there. There's not just Absolutely. you. Absolutely, there is. And, I mean, we've got a lot of them within dental protection, but, you know, it doesn't have to be from, from within, within, within our organisation. It can be um with you know people members anyone you know i think it'd be really interesting to hear what people want to hear about yeah i mean like i say return to work because i think we're at that point now aren't we we're at that tipping point where we're actually i think the vast majority are now back to work i'm still hearing cases of, of people not quite there or doing limited practice but they're back to work uh, yeah, that's my that's my feeling on it as well. From what I see, it seems that things are slowly cranking back to normal. And I think there may be a move, like I say, as the science starts to stream in now, that there may be a move back to normality for dentistry fairly mm. quickly, um, mm. which is needed. We know it's needed, um, but but there's still going to be concerns. There's still going to be anxieties. There's still going to be problems. People are going to panic when they're faced with a situation that they've not seen for a year and a half. Who do they turn to? Is it a colleague? Is it, is it a, 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 a senior colleague? Is it a friend on WhatsApp or is it ringing up dental protection? I, I, you know, I've said this before, Caroline, I'm going to say it again. You pay a fee to an indemnity company for a reason. And they're there to give you advice. That's They're not there. You know, we talk about this the defence and this, that and the other. Actually, I don't think that's your major role, is it? I don't think that's your major role anymore. I think, I think that we, I mean, the role of, of dental protection is huge, isn't it? Because we provide support not only on challenges to people's um, professional reputation or, you know, the, the usual claims that you hear about things, but we also provide a huge amount of advice um, advice and support uh, to to any member of, of the profession any member can ask advice about any ethical issues I mean we're not there to give clinical advice because you know we haven't seen the patient so it's always very difficult to give a level of clinical advice when you haven't seen a patient but you know we're, we're, we're absolutely there to help people think things through even if somebody wants to just if they've got a dilemma and they want to think it through and it's really interesting over the years we've grown our team so we've got um, the usual bunch of dental legal consultants, but we've also got a team of, of other case managers. We've got lawyers. We've got um, we've got hygienists, therapists, and nurses on that team. So we've got people from all elements of our profession. Um, but yeah, I just think that's really interesting for, for people to know there that that there are people within the team. I mean, there are people in the team who are non-clinical but have a legal background. Um, and I think with all of those different people, there's going to be somebody there that, that can support. 
There's an interesting thought, Caroline, where to go for appropriate advice yeah. given a situation. Because yeah. you just said, well, we're not there to give clinical advice. You know my feelings on this. We've, we've talked about this before. You should never ring the General Dental Council for advice because they're our regulator. And it's interesting how many colleagues have contacted me and gone, I rung, dental, uh, I rung the General Dental Council and they said X, Y, and Z. And I said, well, were they a solicitor or were they a, a legal, dental legal consultant? Were they an expert in that field? Or was it somebody at the GDC just reading a document that the GDC has, has, has published? I said, because if you do that, then you're, you're in dangerous ground. And they went, oh. I said, did you ring your indemnifier? There you go. That urban myth, that urban myth that if I ring my indemnifier um, for advice or support, they're going to put that as a black mark against me. Help me with that one. No, no, not at all. Uh, I, we, we would actively encourage people to call us and talk things through because it's mitigating risk. We'd much rather people talk things through with us first and mitigated their risk and it helped them. And it, it really isn't. The amount of calls you make to us is not something that we would tally up and, and hold against anybody. It, that's what I'm saying. It's like an urban yeah. myth, isn't it? And, and I'm sure you've... It is an urban I'm Go sure on. you heard that before you worked uh, with Dental Protection. Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that sort of does the rounds quite a lot, doesn't it? And, and, and it, is an, it is a myth. Um, yeah, I still see it purported. I still see it purported on social media to this day. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think it is about speaking to the right people for the right thing. I mean, you say it's interesting. You say about people ringing the GDC, and the GDC can be really helpful in terms of reading out what their scope of practice is or what their guidance document might be. But actually, it's, sometimes it's about the interpretation of that against what you're doing, and that individuality about what you're doing. And and if you need to, if you were to you know, in a, in a position where you might need to depart from a, a rigid piece of guidance for a valid reason, who would you talk to about that and, and where would you go with that? And I think those are really interesting questions. Yeah, I think my advice to my colleagues that, that are not as, as lucky and as privileged as I am to be in this very safe environment that I'm in would be to seek out professional advice, professional support, even if it is just somebody on the end of a phone that you've never met Absolutely. to just ring up and go, I'm going back to work and actually I'm really scared. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? If in doubt, ask. Ask somebody, use people, use your indemnity, use your professional network, use your colleagues at work, use your friends. That, you know, I think, I, think never, I, I think just keeping things to yourself like that can, can make it so much harder. And just, you know, the old, the old saying, a problem shared is a problem halved, is true. Yeah. yeah and like I say, I, I was really lucky a week and a half ago or two weeks, whenever it was, my, my, my boss came in and we closed the surgery door and we just sat opposite each other. And just he allowed me to just share my, uh, my fears and my concerns um, in a very closed door situation you know um which allowed me to open up and then say to him well this is what i'm scared of because i don't want to cause harm I, that's the last thing i want to do i'm not worried about being sued if i got sued i'd deal with that what i'm worried about is causing harm to somebody yeah, which nobody, is, goes, nobody wants to be in and nobody goes into our profession to cause any harm they they go in it to do the very best for every patient that they treat um and and i think the fact that you've got somebody to talk about it with is great. I guess it's for those people who haven't got somebody to talk about it with. Um, it's about perhaps for them to think 
maybe there are ways of building that network in different ways. Maybe there's other avenues that I can explore. And hopefully listening to what we've talked about today might have given people some ideas. Do, do, you, do you think it's like almost like a professional pride thing, especially, you know, if you've worked alone for a long time? So a lot of hygienists, as you know, therapists less so, but a lot of hygienists have worked in isolation for a long time. And the idea of leaning on somebody may may in their head make them seem weak or inept or unprofessional. And, and, and it's, it's part of what we're trying to say here is actually don't be afraid to reach out to your colleagues and say, I've got to go back to work. And actually, you know what? I'm dreading it. And these are the reasons. Yeah, completely agree. And it's not weak and it's not unprofessional. Um, and I, th- I think you're right. I'm not sure how much of that permeates through um, for our, you know, for our hygienists and therapists. I don't know. I guess individuals are all different, aren't they? So there will be people who want to lean on others and there'll be people who struggle with that concept. But it's ultimately maybe about challenging yourself and thinking about how best you can help yourself and your patients so maybe this is where the professional bodies like the British Association of Dental Therapists come in, isn't it? It's helping people foster a, a, a network of colleagues. You know, there may be somebody in your local area that's a member and they could just say, have you tried contacting so-and-so? We know we can share details and you could just talk to each other. You could just ring each other up. Look, lockdown's ending. You can go for coffee as long as you're two metres apart. And then, you know what, that peer review and that, that, that collegiate support is absolutely invaluable. I think I think I love it's that important. word collegiate support. I love the word collegiate support. Yeah. I, I think it's something that's lacking in many areas. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's I think it is absolutely vital. I think for everybody, I think anybody who's isolated, um, it would benefit from collegiate support. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think hopefully what we've talked about today is given some people some some food for thought and and maybe a little bit of a um a bit of reassurance that actually any feelings that they're having are okay. Well, I think that's been really useful. Yeah, it really has. I've enjoyed actually, it. has been a little bit cathartic for me, to be honest. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. you know, and, as, you. and actually, I think it's... Thank you for being so honest about how it's been for you. I think that's really important. And um, and hopefully it'll give others some reassurance that, that, that actually, yeah, everybody does have mixed emotions about all this stuff. Thank you for your time today. It's been really lovely talking to you. Um, and I, I would say to anybody who's listening, if you do have anything that you'd like to hear about, let us know. So, yeah, all that remains is to say thank you so much, Sean, for joining me today. We really enjoyed it. And um, hopefully people listening have enjoyed it too. And I'll see you again soon. Take care. Take care.